It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's the best of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we go. Here we go. From the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City, a Fox Across America holiday best of edition. I, Jimmy Fallon, your radio buddy, have carefully curated Three hours of moments we enjoyed over the years, uh, especially the current year of presidential candidates clamoring for the GOP nomination. We've interviewed just about everybody who ran for office, and I consider the following clips some of the highlights of the season. People who either surprised me with their banter and their vibe or people who might even let me down a little bit when they tried to explain their policies and the need to vote for them. Don't worry, I'm not bad-mouthing anybody in the race. Most of the people have dropped out. Uh, but what you will hear uh, is the best thing about our show, which is the ability to punch people in the person and give you a feel for the people behind the politics. Okay, anybody can get on the radio and shout out to you about policy all day, but only a true radio host can get you that policymaker's take on Rocky Three, Red Dawn, Rambo, and anything else that was filmed in the 80s. And that's exactly what we went out and did with our very first guest in this episode, the current governor of Florida, the former frontrunner to win the GOP nomination. I don't know that he's there in the polls or even anything close to it at this point, but he was on the show and he did surprise us with a lot more candor and fun than he's probably known for on the campaign trail. And without further ado, I bring you the first guest of the episode, my interview, which took place on his birthday with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. I always say, man, uh, when people come on this show, I mean, listen, it's a very easy show. It's conversational. I'm not an activist. I'm a talk show host. So you come on here as a Democrat, you're going to leave feeling like a million bucks because I'm not here to scream at you and cut you off. I'm just here to have a good faith discussion around the issues. You know, the problem is I don't really come from any formal broadcast training. I don't have like a big, vast educational background. So it's a very conversational show. So if people come on and they're fun and they roll with it, they look like humans and they come off great. If they show up with all kinds of talking points and it's just just, you know, this could be a problem. Okay, no one wants to talk to a Teddy Ruxpin on the radio where you stick the cassette in the back and it just goes, I'll close the border. You know, they want a human. And uh, I think for DeSantis, this is a huge opportunity. I mean, for us, it's a don't screw it up. I mean, but that's pretty much everything I do in my career at this point is they just say like, oh, what are you, what are you doing? You're ordering a sandwich? Don't screw it up. They don't have a lot of faith in me, okay? And uh, the point is, uh, I'm excited. So 888-788-9910. Let me get you up to speed on the Hunter thing really quickly. Uh, according, okay, to the official indictment, and I will read it to you here. Uh, this is stemming from the collapse of the plea deal, okay? He possessed a firearms license, uh, ooh, was not authorized to deal in firearms under federal laws. Okay, he was authorized because he lied on a form. So he'd be facing up to 10 years in prison if it came to that. Does anybody actually expect it to come for that? The answer would be no. Now, Corrine Jean-Pierre famously said, that Biden would not pardon his son. That, of course, was part of a confidence scheme, okay? She was saying it because she didn't think he was going to be charged, and at the time, they believed the fix was in when it came to his plea deal. Wrong. Okay, fix wasn't in. A judge took a look at it and was like, dude, are you kidding me? It's a plea deal for a gun charge and a tax evasion crime? 
and it's absolving him from future crimes as well? What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Seemed like the fix was in. Okay, but lo and behold, the deal just exploded. So three gun charges for Hunter now. He's got three indictments. Uh, you know, Trump is still sitting at 91. He's the league leader. Now it is early in the campaign. You don't you don't know what the number's going to be. What the hell is the world coming to? But I think when you're DeSantis, that's the best argument you can give. You're not in your late hundreds like Biden. You're not under 91 indictments like Trump. And you probably have less baggage going into the general election. Now, of course, winning the general election means getting the nomination. And that is, I got to be honest with you, man, the game has changed. Okay, there was a time when presidential politics was about who has the best ideas, who has the best policies. And to be clear, that would be a better time for you, me, your family, my family. Okay, but now we're running for class president. There's a lot of media sensationalism. There's a race to get clicks. Relevance is more important than competence. You know, Vivek on foreign policy has been a disaster. He's had to contradict himself on national TV a dozen times when confronted with things he said a year ago versus things he said now. But he's been cute in the media, so it hasn't really worked against him when it comes to getting booked. And his poll numbers have gone up as well. But when it comes to substance, when it comes to the money being on the table, okay, you do want somebody under center. You do want somebody in the huddle that's done a good job of leading the team down the field. And whether you love DeSantis or you hate DeSantis, there can be no argument against the leadership that he's shown in Florida. We will discuss that leadership and the quest to lead the nation as a whole when we come back on Fox Across America. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. It's the best of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And it definitely feels like we're going through that phase where he quit basketball and he's playing minor league baseball and everything's kind of a mess. Uh, joining us now uh, is a very prominent candidate to get this team back on track and playing championship ball, the 46th governor of Florida, who happens to be celebrating his 45th birthday, Governor Ron DeSantis on Fox Across America. Hey, man. Hey, how you doing? Uh, we're, we're pumped up to have you on the show. I have to say, when I saw that you were 45, so you're like half the age of everybody else running. <laughs> That's right. You know, it was interesting. I've been in New York this week. We were at the Ground Zero Remembrance, and I've done some other stops. I stopped to see Cardinal Dolan uh -huh. uh, in New York City, and he, uh, and I was asking, like, you know, what's your trajectory after this? And he's like, well, when you're 75, they make you retire. And I told him, I was like, <laughs> You can launch a presidential campaign right after 75. that, right? I mean, that seems to be what's going on. 75? This guy could be in the Senate for another 20 years. What is he talking about, man? Uh, uh, I know. Well, I'll tell you what. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that, um, you know, when you look and see Nancy Pelosi's doubling down for another term, uh, we really do need term limits for members of Congress. I yes. mean, this is just getting ridiculous That's when scary. these people are there for 30 or 40 years. You look at how the country is descending, uh, particularly our insolvency, and these guys have had you know, the wheel for, for how many decades? I think it's time to pass the torch. Yeah, I think people would agree with you on that. But this, this I'm telling you now, is an interesting interview because you are the matchup here, okay? Batter to pitcher uh, is you're a guy who played in the Little League World Series. I'm the kind of guy who bets on the Little League World Series. So, <laughs> it's, you know, just don't dig in, okay? Don't dig in is all I ask. By the way, and I wanted to ask you that, how is by the your baseball skills these days? Can you still hit in the batting cage? Yeah, oh yeah. You know, that's something when you when you hit a ba hitting a baseball is tough, but when you learn to do it at a young age, it's something that always sticks with you. So, for example, I didn't play golf growing up. Uh -huh. I haven't played golf in a while. If I took it, my swing would be all out of whack. Baseball, 
you know, if you throw me a fastball, I can hit the fastball. And it's just kind of the way it is. But I'll tell you, you know, with respect to Little League, I was thinking with the betting, you know, uh-huh. when uh, when we went to the World Series that year, our goal, under our hats, we put WWT, which stands for We Want Taiwan, because they uh-huh. were the superpower in Little League Baseball in the late yeah. 80s and early 90s. Come to find out, the reason they were the superpower is because they were playing 13- and 14-year-olds in the 12-year-old league. So that was information that I think a lot of people could have used to predict them winning all those championships. So we were better as 12-year-olds, but they had 13- and 14-year-olds on their team. Ron DeSantis is on the line, Florida governor. He could have saved me a lot of money in 1991. Uh, had he shared that information? Well, I'll tell you, the two most fascinating things about your candidacy, obviously, is, you know, you're the governor of a state that is thriving. Uh, you're the only one in the race who played in the Little League World Series. And you happen to be uh, one of the few people at the top of the polls who is neither under indictment or has a child under indictment right now. Is that an odd feeling? Well, you know, it's uh, it's, a, it's an interesting world we live in, is all I can say. I mean, there's a lot of things we need to clean up in this government for sure, and I will clean up the DOJ and the FBI. I'm also the only one running in either party that's actually served in uniform, mm-hmm. and it was something that when I was at the 9-11 remembrance, the families, a bunch of the families invited my wife and I. We went around and, um, and visited the names that were sketched in the museum and everything, and I was, you know, uh, not affected by it directly. Terms of, I didn't have friends or family that died there, but that was mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I ended up joining the military. Mm-hmm. So it changed the trajectory of my life, and I ended up serving in Iraq and all this. And uh, as, a, as the president elected in 2024, I'd be the first president elected who served in a war since 1988. It used to be that was a pretty standard thing with presidents. Yeah. We've been a generation removed from having one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fascinating stuff. And uh, as it pertains to 9-11, I, my brothers are city cops here in New York. Uh, my brother Joey was off duty that day. Thankfully, he's okay. Uh, but he was brave enough to go down there. I was brave enough to drive him to a checkpoint. That was my contribution. But I have a lot of respect for guys like yourself who put on the uniform and, you know, put their well, lives and on. We in Florida, one of the things yeah. about being governor, outside of the New York City area, we have more retired FDNY, uh, NYPD, and Port Authority than anywhere in the country. So a lot of these guys were there on 9-11, now live in Florida. So we've done big 9-11 events over the years I've been governor. And But what ended up happening, having so many of those guys in Florida, it inspired us to now we're the first state to require uh, mandatory 9-11 curriculum in the schools every September 11th. And so they're going to learn about the evil that happened that day, which we can never forget about, and we have to understand their threats to freedom, but also the good that happened with how people responded and the number of people that gave their lives running into those towers, knowing they probably weren't going to be able uh, to ever get out of those towers, but they did it to be able to save others. And so that really... The people that responded, uh, that represents the best of America, and we need to make sure our young people know that. Yeah, I, I, I do agree there, and that the fact that national buy-in isn't what it was. Like, we got to a really divisive place in our politics where, and I, and I would say Biden was a fraud for saying he was going to unite the country because, you know, we famously said voter ID laws were Jim Crow on steroids and it was a pandemic of the unvaccinated. You know, he didn't not exactly an olive branch. If you're trying to get people to save the date to a unity party, I don't know that calling him Jim Crow on steroids is going to get the job done. But as it pertains to the conversation of COVID, okay, there's been a lot of revision history around COVID, okay? And you have gotten what I consider to be uh, rightly deserved credit for your leadership. I know there was an initial shutdown, but the president, uh, former President Trump, is trying to say that you listened to Fauci more than he did. Is there any world where that's true? No, of course not. I mean, we, uh, you know, loosely followed federal guidelines for a matter of weeks, and then 
we departed and led the nation for a matter of years. And that is well documented. Almost everything I did uh, from making sure businesses could be open to making sure kids could be in school to making sure people could be attending church and synagogue and doing what they wanted to do and make their own decisions. Fauci opposed us vocally while he was working for Donald Trump. Uh, and that is very well documented. In fact, uh, during that time in COVID, particularly the summer of 2020 and beyond, the Florida media would use the Trump administration as a cudgel to attack me because yep. they'd say, Governor DeSantis is not following the White House guidelines. He has restaurants open. He has all this other stuff. And they were constantly coming back to that. So that's just the reality. And I also remember, because I was working really hard to help Donald Trump get reelected in 2020, I remember cringing when his campaign put out a video uh, where Fauci is bragging that everything he told uh, Donald Trump to do, Trump did. They were bragging about that. And then, of course, his last day in office, he gave he gave Fauci a presidential commendation. Megyn Kelly confronted him about that. And he said, oh, well, I don't know who that who who gave that to. It literally <laughs> says President Trump award commendation. Is this the immaculate commendation or something like that? Oh, this no. happened thin air? Give me a break. People need to take responsibility for their action. They need to they need to own what they did. Mm -hmm. uh, and here's the thing that's important looking forward. Mm -hmm. You know, with me, all those mistakes will never be repeated again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I will hold NIH, CDC, FDA accountable for the mistakes and the lies and everything that happened that hurt a lot of people yep. in this country. Mm -hmm. You can take that to the bank with me. Mm -hmm. But Donald Trump, he's basically saying he did everything right. And I think that means you should understand he would do the same thing all over again if put in that position. And that would be disastrous for our country. Yeah, it wouldn't be good. We're talking to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, and I, to be clear, uh, we give you all the credit in the world because I say when it comes to COVID, but when it really comes to any issue, true leadership is not about reading the room and the poll numbers and the news cycle. It's about crunching the data and leading the room, even if you have to do so in the face of great criticism from the press. Because at the end of the day, if you got to get the job done, uh, you got to get the job done. You don't need to win a popularity contest for 24 hours on CNN and MSNBC or even my channel. You need the lead. So we give you all the credit. And even, the even, if, even if it ends up being longer, that's your detriment. Yeah. Because during the time when I was really getting pressured, particularly over the summer of 2020, to say, oh, cases are going up. you got to shut down all this stuff. Fauci was saying that the media, I had supporters that were telling me, dude, you're getting filleted. Yep. You need to do something. You need to just, or just do some mandates just to show you're doing something. And I said, no, that's not right. Mm -hmm. If at the end of the if that costs me my job, then mm -hmm. that is the problem. You cannot put your finger in the wind. And, and after, you know, eight, 12 weeks into the COVID thing, I knew what I was doing was yep. right. I knew it wasn't popular. I knew the, the medical establishment yep. and the media were not going to back what I was doing. But I knew it was right, and I was willing to let the chips fall where they may. I cared more about getting kids in school and making sure yep. these businesses survived than I worried about how it affected my political uh, trajectory. And mm -hmm. you know what happens? Yep. When people see you do the right thing under those circumstances, they may not appreciate it in the instant. Yep. It may take them some time, but eventually – they appreciate what you did, and I think that's one of the reasons we've done so well in Florida because people know yep. I'm willing to fight for them uh, even when it's not easy. And I think people do love that about you. I think that's commendable. Uh, I'm going to ask you one question about uh, someone else you're running against. Uh, Tim Scott, who's been on this show, famously, famously claimed on this show, this might shock you, it must be the it might be the most damaging piece of opposition research on Tim Scott, is he claims that Rocky Three is the best Rocky. Does a Ron DeSantis presidency open with Rocky Three? 
No, no way. I mean, look, I, I, I always go back to Rocky One. The OJ. Uh, but if you had to push me beyond Rocky One, just because I was a kid and I mm. went to see Rocky Four oh, uh, in, yes. in the theaters and, yes. and saw the fight against Drago, yes. and I was inspired yes. uh, to really become a, a strong, cold warrior in part. Uh, because of Rocky Four, so okay. you know, while I respect Clubber Lang, um, <laughs> I think the original Rocky is the uh, is the is the classic, um, and then I do think Rocky Four, from a pro America perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pay respects to that uh, that fight against Drago. And you know what? If you don't actually shout out Rocky for beating Drago, there are factions of the media that would say you're in bed with Russia. <laughs> That's right. Well, it's interesting though. You know, at that time. You know, probably the liberal media was more on the side of Drago. You know, they <laughs> no! thought that it was they were jingoistic or too nationalistic to be rooting for Rocky. You know, now I know they've kind of changed because of the Trump-Russia collusion force yeah. and all that. But uh, but that was definitely, you know, as a kid going to different movies, that was definitely one that I had huge, huge memories oh, I love um, about doing. And I've shown, um, you know, some snippets to my kids. Yeah, no, I'm your age. I was shadow boxing in that theater. But I was realistic. Like, you served in the military. You played college ball. I, You know, when you're in the theater, and you want to be Rocky. I actually just wanted to be Paulie. You know his deadbeat brother-in-law? <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what. He played a That was a great character. Young. He did a good job. And, uh, you know, those are some, some epic moments. I mean, you had uh, uh, Burgess Meredith yes. as, as Mick. Mickey. I mean, what a great character. I mean, it was, those were great films. I mean, they yeah. did a really good job. And think about how much he's been able to do. We Rocky Five never happened. We know that. <laughs> just put that aside. But when they did Rocky Balboa many years later, it was a good movie. It was I mean, good. I, my wife and I went to see it. We was good. And then the whole Creed series, I think it's been really good. No, a hundred, a hundred percent, Governor DeSantis. We we love that. We love that take. And I got to tell Tim Scott because the high horse Rocky three thing, like I get it, but I'll handle it for it. You don't worry about nothing. Um, we do know it's your birthday. I'm sure there's going to be some type of celebration. But really quick, I'm down forty seconds. But you did launch uh, your early state faith coalition today, correct? Yeah, that's right. So Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, you know, we've got a lot of uh, faith leaders, but also just, um, you know, Iowans, New Hampshire folks, and then South Carolinians who just want to be able to to exercise freedom. Mm -hmm. I think the left in this country... you know, they're oh, on the, the margin against religious freedom. Yep. We're going to protect it as president. No, we, we appreciate that. Okay. You you, prote- you protect it. Uh, you stand your ground on that Rocky one of that Rocky four. I'll handle anybody else who comes by here. Uh, we really appreciate you giving us a minute of your time. Happy birthday. Would you have a beer later? Yeah, we will. I mean, you know, my wife, uh, my wife and I what? are not together today. So oh, gonna- that's even better. It's the best of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Thing about Vivek Ramaswamy is if you watch him on TV, you don't know if you should hate him or hate him. Uh, he's been a pretty polarizing figure. A lot of people do like his views, to be clear. Uh, but he hasn't made the traction in the polls, okay, that a guy of his policies might. And one of the challenges as to why is the fact that a lot of his policies and positions have changed over the years. But Vivek trends really well with, like, conservative social media. He could be president of Twitter tomorrow. But here he is on my show making the case to be president of the United States. Enjoy it. Make up your mind. Do what you want with me and Vivek Ramaswamy. It's an all skate. Remember when you went to the roller rink back in the day? Did you do that? Would it have like a just the boys and just the girls, just the couples, just the kids, just, you know. And then eventually they have an all skate. And everyone could just jump in. Everybody can skate it once again. That's this is what this show is. It's an all skate. Everybody is welcome. Uh, we can't do the individual classes. You know, and it used to be like, just the boys, just the girls. If you did that now, it'd go on for months. Just the theys. Just the thems.
Just the non-binary two-spirit furries. What the hell is the world coming to? I don't know, but we'll try to clean up this mess. The update in the battle between Disney and DeSantis, it's been pretty crazy. I covered this. I was guest hosting Gutfeld last week, and it was my opening monologue in that there's a big discussion over whether DeSantis has taken this too far, whether government should be forcing corporations to do anything. But, of course, Disney is now also suing because they had their special tax privileges taken away. And this ongoing battle between one and the other has, of course, generated a lot of conversation about where you draw the line. Is DeSantis gone too far? But the bigger issue here, understand, is that this is all based on a straw man argument that DeSantis tried to ban gay people. You see, Disney got involved after DeSantis passed the Parental Rights and Education Act. And that act made it illegal to teach sex ed or sexual identity to kids between the ages of kindergarten and third grade. That's how this started. No sex at all. Not straight, not trans, not gay, no sex. Nobody between kindergarten and third grade should be talking about sex. Why? Because back in the day, we could all accept that anyone who wanted to talk to your kindergartner about sex shouldn't be near a kindergartner. But DeSantis, in passing that bill, called the Parental Rights and Education Act, never said the word gay once. He didn't say no gay sex and no trans. He said no sex, none at all. But the minute the bill passed, they ran out on the left and said he just banned gay people. Democrats are so full of crap. At which point Disney and the board jumped in to say, we're standing up for the gay community. How dare Ron DeSantis criminalize gay behavior? Yo, hold on a second now. Florida has not gay, banned gay people. And if you believe they have, you, my friend, have never been to Key West. I think he's got a point. Certainly haven't spent any time in South Beach or the rest of the state as a whole because gay people are living and thriving joyously as they should be in the state of Florida. Never mind that Florida engaged in this corporate welfare against DeSantis or, excuse me, that Disney did. Organizing, you know, walkouts and pride nights. These are straw man arguments because Florida hasn't banned gay people. So when you throw a pride night at Disney, you're not doing so in defiance of any type of resistance. You're doing so for the same reason you do everything else at Disney, which is to just shake down parents. All right, now get out there and make me some god money. Uh -huh. that's, that's the point. Okay, that's what they're doing. That's all Disney. That's the Disney business model. Rip off parents. I'm still paying interest on a Buzz Lightyear toy I bought in 2009. Okay, if Disney really cared about inclusion, they wouldn't make the prices 130 bucks to get in. He knows what he's talking about. Seriously, if you want everyone from every walk of life, from every sexual identity, from every gender dysmorphia to be welcome in your park, you make the prices a lot more reasonable because I can promise you as a parent, the prices are keeping more people out than the pronouns are. But Disney waged this war against DeSantis over a straw man argument about banning gay people. Never mind that Disney does businesses in at least 12 countries that criminalize gay activity. I'm talking Saudi Arabia punishable by chemical castration, Yemen pu punishable by death. Okay, Disney, in accusing DeSantis of being some type of homophobe, is squeezing every dollar it can out of every homophobic country in the world. 
So in standing his ground, okay, DeSantis has won the respect of a lot of people who see the fraud in Disney's ways. And now, as we're reading, is according to a Reuters-Ipsos poll, 44% of Republicans said they have a more favorable view of the governor because of his fight with Disney. So overall in the survey, okay, 73% of voters said they were less likely to back a candidate who sought to punish companies for their political and cultural views. But 44% said they were more likely to vote for they were more like they had a more favorable opinion of him because he took the fight with Disney. Okay. 64% of Republicans agree with DeSantis taking the special tax privileges away from Disney. Okay. And so as a whole, this issue is still something that resonates well with voters, connects well with voters, because they're tired of corporations forcing their woke views on their consumers. Everything woke turns to A lot of people feel that way. So in that regard, DeSantis is on pretty solid footing politically. I mean, does that mean he's going to beat Donald Trump in 2024? Wrong. We'll see. A lot of people are still getting into the race. Vivek Ramaswamy is going to be here in this hour. Asa Hutchinson, governor of our, of uh, former governor of Arkansas, launched a campaign today. You've got Tim Scott, who has launched an exploratory committee. Uh, former U.N. ambassador and South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley already in the race. Okay, it's going to get crowded, and it's going to get crazy. The first GOP debate is going to be right here on Fox News. It's going to be a wild one, and that's not until August. The caucus voting doesn't start until January. We got a long way to go. Buckle up, kids. But the place where DeSantis has found solid footing here is not so much with Republicans, not so much with culture warriors, but with actual parents. Okay, understand parents don't want their kids being sexualized. Over 78% of parents across the aisle supported DeSantis in his parental rights and education bill. Because parents at a time when our country is like, we're literally failing right now. One in three school kids is not reading at, at grade level in this country. I love the poorly educated. Well, there's plenty of them. Okay, but at a time when we can't read, we've got so much legislation being passed to integrate bathrooms. So much legislation being passed at a state level you know, where you're seeing things like, well, you know, if the parents aren't okay with a gender transition, then we can give the kid the right to pursue the transition with help from his teacher. You know, we can go to a sanctuary state and get the procedures done where you don't tell your parents. Yo, don't tell your parents for as long as you and I have ever lived. Don't tell your parents was synonymous <laughs> with someone doing something to a child that shouldn't be done. Ah, uh, you have a good eye, my man. Don't tell your parents every single time meant the adult in this situation was on the wrong side of whatever the hell they were engaging in with the kid. That's true. That is true. So the idea that DeSantis is taking a stand against something that basic. Now, you could say he's going too far, fighting with Disney, stripping tax privileges. Now there's a lawsuit. When is it going to end? Last week we played you the clip where he joked about building a state prison next to Disney's parks. Okay, you can tell me it's too far. I don't know. I don't know where that line is going to be drawn. Personally, I don't want the government forcing anybody to do anything. 
But that ship sailed a long time ago. Government just forced you to get a vaccine, forced you to throw in a mask. Now it's trying to force you to buy an electric car. Now they want to take away your electric stove. It's the funny thing about Democrats is, you know, when it comes to abortion, they're like, keep the government out of our bedrooms as they put the government in your garage, government's in your kitchen with, <laughs> with your stove. Government's everywhere. Okay. That's the scam of our time. But if you're a guy who stands up against don't tell your parents, I don't even consider that bold. I don't even consider that courageous. I consider it a sad commentary on where we are as a country that that would even be an outlier of a political position to take. I think every single person listening to this should not be okay with any teacher or state legislature that wants to submit a kid to a lifetime of surgeries and follow-up medications something that will permanently alter their bodies without actually getting the parents' consent. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. Totally. And the idea that Ron DeSantis wants to stand up to them is something that will always get him points and something I will always support, regardless of what position he finds himself in next. You got some big testicles to pull this off, bro. Introducing the all-new Woke Disney World, the first theme park to dump identity politics on all its guests. Mom, can I hit the boys' room? Sorry, honey, it's the they's room. Let me explain this to you one more time. It's okay, Mickey. I'll handle it. All of our rides have been updated, so our Woke employees won't flip out on us. From Snow White and the Seven Genders... I don't understand. To it's a small reassignment surgery after all. That was the weirdest boat ride ever. Woke Disney World. We've transitioned to a new business model, but the goal remains the same. All right, now, get out there and make me some damn money. It's the best of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. He's a Republican candidate for the president of the United States. Vivek Ramaswamy is here. Hey, man. Good to be on. How are you? Uh, thanks for going easy on the toys. I've had differentiating takes. Hey, I like, you know, to each their own style. I don't like to pick on people for okay. uh, for their style. In fact, I quite like it, to be okay. to the I was, contrary. I was going to say, like, around. back in the day when kids would trade, like, baseball cards and toys, is there a toy here you would trade? Like, there's a Millennium Falcon. There's a He-Man. Mm. Although I should, well, He-Man is now called They-Them. You can't make it is. He-Man. It is. Yeah, yeah. It is a birthing person. <laughs> for it is man. Is it? <laughs> so that's that's I think what I see on the table here. Ah, uh, well, Vivek, you have uh, it's a very f- peculiar place in our news cycle right now because you're not only running for president, yes, but in a pop culture in a culture war way, it is. You're almost the guy who killed Bin Laden <laughs> because you're very much responsible for Don Lemon getting fired. You know, the guy who shot Bin Laden didn't have to buy a beer ever again. They say, yeah, I don't know that you'd ever have to buy a beer. Not that you were asking for a Bud Light. But I don't know that you'd have to buy one. But yeah, that's right. Definitely not asking for a Bud Light. Maybe a Bud Right, but not a uh, not a Bud Light. You know, so so listen. This is why I go to the other side's turf, mm-hmm. and I like to win because okay. we have the winning arguments. But sometimes we get afraid of the fact that the terrain is a little unfair. It's yep. a little uneven. Let's grow up and actually do it. I right? love that. And and I think that Don Lemon he surprised me a little bit. I didn't expect him to go that far off the reservation. Yeah. But he was engaging in just self-immolation at the end of the day, in plain sight. You could just watch him unraveling. Well, well, that's my favorite thing about the moment is Poppy Harlow's on set with you, and she just lets him go. Oh, She's like, you know, I could say that was everything you needed to know about their relationship. That's right. It was the fact that she didn't cut him off. Yeah. You know, it was was, uh, I I have a feeling that their show is going to be better off without him, and I give him (laughs) a lot of credit for it. 
But, you know, to say something as as noxious that you can't say something about post-Civil War history mm. to a black man unless you're black. Yeah. I think that embodies everything that's been wrong with our culture in the last five years. Mm-hmm. But I think we're about to turn a corner. Yep. And I'm running for president to lead us around that corner because I think there's a better place. I love the idea of this because something comes up all the time. Whenever there's a controversial story in the news, you'll, yep. you'll see some people pander. And say, well, I'm not saying anything. These aren't my people. I'm like, no, no, no. they're all of our people. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at it that way, as we're supposed to. Exactly. You know, we were supposed to be post-race, and they very much, it's almost like we're being resegregated. It's of fascinating. course. It's fascinating. But I think that's why they're so threatened by the idea of you, because you're trying to engage in the identity, uh, in the, excuse me, in the idea battle, mm-hmm. instead of leveraging your background, your identity. Um, but this is the question I wanted to ask. So Biden relaunches a campaign yesterday, which we both think would be very heavily steeped in identity politics. Mm-hmm. Um, is it kind of fascinating to see him running in 2024 without running in 2020? It's interesting. It's interesting. I don't think he's running either time. Yeah, that's right. It was weird, right? I think he's not running either time because <laughs> the biggest farce, Jimmy, is uh-huh. that Biden's actually running for president yeah. at all. Uh-huh. He's not. He's just a puppet. Is he the front? He's absolutely the front, right? There's the managerial class Mm -hmm. that wants to pull the strings on the puppet. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the puppet can't think, the fact that it has a cognitive deficit, that's a feature. That's a good thing, right? It's the same reason they like John Fetterman in the U.S. Senate. Easier to control. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the puppet masters were thinking that if it it looked like Trump wasn't going to run, then they don't want Joe Biden. Yeah. But if Trump's going to run, they're like, hey, if it worked once, let's do the same thing again. We'll still be the ones pulling the strings. Who cares if he suffers from dementia or some other condition, right? I don't know what it is. No, but nobody cares. But this is the one thing. This is the problem we're having is because we, we see 70% of Americans don't want Biden to run. But there is no way of polling the invisible people he shakes hands with. That's right. So maybe that number's off. Maybe he's going to win. Maybe the invisible man <laughs> shows up. Vivek well, Ramaswamy's we'll in studio. Uh, he is the author of Capital Punishment. I want to talk about your book for a second uh, because one of the heavy premises in the book is about voting with your dollars, how you have an opportunity every day to exercise your voice in our democracy through your purchases. Um, do you think when it comes to Disney, I know we've talked a great length about Bud Light, but do you think when it comes to Disney, DeSantis is too heavily engaged in the culture war or do you think he has it right? Like where would you put it? Well, I would say, uh, and by the way, we call the book to pl- as a play on capital punishment. Yes. It's capitalist yes, punishment. Thank you. My yeah. bad. No, it's good. It's because it, it gets to the essence of it's punishing capitalism mm-hmm. in a certain way or using capitalism as a form of punishment of everyday citizens. So here's my take on DeSantis, right? Mm-hmm. I think he thrives on news cycles. Mm-hmm. He wants to do whatever allows him to get in the news cycle, mm-hmm. but he's off by half. Okay. Right? So the thing with Disney, a lot of, not a lot of people know this. Under DeSantis, he's the one that gave them a special protection under the law. Is that true? Yeah. So the special protection he gave them, because you remember when there's a lot of big tech censorship? Mm-hmm. Florida led the way, and I give him credit, for passing an anti-discrimination statute against viewpoints. Mm-hmm. But there was a little carve-out in there. Mm-hmm. The carve-out was the Disney rule, which says that if you operate a website like Disney Streaming, and you also own a 25-acre or more amusement park then that restriction doesn't apply to you. So Disney lobbied DeSantis and got that into a law he passed himself. Uh So he walks himself into his own traps, but then says, okay, I'm going to roll that back if I don't like what you're saying. Mm -hmm. The worst part of the story is after he gets the news cycle, he's not paying attention to the details. Uh Disney gets the better of him and has the last laugh as they actually completely... Uh, castrate the board so, from its power. So that's that's my issue with DeSantis. Is he, he wants to do the right thing, he thinks, 
which is a stunt. Mm-hmm. But the stunt doesn't work because the company's smarter than the stuntman, and they'll just wait for the storm to pass and then get whatever they need out of him. That's Ron DeSantis in a nutshell, which is part of why I think for the presidency, mm-hmm. we need somebody who's an original thinker, not a follower. Well, we we would definitely put you in that box. So let me ask you this question with a minute that we have left together. I mean, where did the time go, by the way? Totally. It's just mad. magic. <laughs> uh, assuming you secure this nominee, uh, this nomination, uh, who would you be more likely to make your VP, Trump or DeSantis? I'd probably take Trump. Would you? Just because very from a very practical sense, he's taken on the administrative state. He went as far as he was going to go. Uh-huh. I'm going to go much further in shutting down the administrative state, but I'd want to understand those lessons. And uh-huh. Trump is not a professional politician. Yeah. And that's what it's going to take to reform you, the federal government. You like a street fighter. This is what we were talking yes. about off the air. And I yes. think everyone else does too. It's the one thing I think folks are sleeping on. There it is, Vivek Ramaswamy. Don't go anywhere. More of the holiday best of edition of Fox Across America after this. From everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's the best of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we go, here we go. From the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City, a holiday best-of episode of Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. I am out in Ohio celebrating Christmas, looking forward to the new year with Jenny's family. But I'm simultaneously right here with you on the radio uh, because I'm good like that. I can't just turn my back on my radio pals. So we carefully cut together a couple of best of episodes featuring all of the GOP candidates currently running for president. Here's your chance to vet them before we get back into the office full time and have the Iowa caucuses and the New Hampshire primaries and everything in between. One of the people making a lot of inroads. Okay, the person now currently trending second in the polls behind Donald Trump happens to be a governor of South Carolina turned U.N. ambassador turned first female with a serious shot at the presidency in the Republican Party. I'm talking about Nikki Haley, who joined us in this episode to outline the case for a Haley presidency. I do think you'll get a kick out of her. At the very least, you'll probably agree with all of her policies because they're exponentially better for this country than the current garbage we've got in the White House. So one way or the other, in the words of In Vogue, free your mind and give Nikki Haley a shot. There's one key issue in the general that really does determine who controls the White House. Sadly, the issue is abortion. Okay, it's the number one turnout issue for Democrats where they hold monstrous leads over Republicans. So Nikki uh, is uniquely positioned uh, to potentially win back that ground because she has a message that comes from a woman, does not demonize the opposition, and is a lot more doable Okay, for the suburban swing voter and, dare I say, the female voter. And joining us now to talk about all of this is a woman who is not only a former governor of South Carolina, a U.N. ambassador, but we know her around here as the queen of the keg stand. Nikki Haley is back on the show. Hey, girl. Hey, hey Jimmy. How are you? So I have to tell you this. You've become uh, you're already a little bit of a, a rock star around here, but you have a lot of street cred with the female anchors at Fox News. The last two women who came on my show yesterday, Martha McCallum and Shannon Bream, brought up your interview about the keg stands. <laughs> well, you know, only you would ask me that question. And, um, you know, <laughs> when when stuff like that comes up, you just, you got to tell the truth. Well, so, uh, 
Fair. Yeah. No, for real. And we appreciate the candor. We appreciate you being a real person. And here's the thing. Martha McCallum, who I know you were on her show, uh, she said that she went to Liberty University. They didn't do keg stands. They were more of a funnel crowd. But I would imagine, I would imagine as a, as a member of the keg stand club, you, you, you know, you're all encompassing. You would welcome the funnel crowds as well, right? You know, I think we all know that we had fun in different ways. Thank and you. so I appreciate that everybody's got some memories that um, they know about that they don't necessarily want their kids to know about. But <laughs> it is what it is. That's a good point, by the way. I didn't think of it from that perspective. But my son is. Oh, yeah. So now my kids actually know that I did a keg stand. So thank you for that. <laughs> That's all right. Listen, they're probably more. They're, they're actually more inclined to vote for you now. I, some of them were on the fence. I kid. I kid. I kid. Uh, let me jump in here on this one. Uh, the Colorado court had a lot of liberals partying uh, when they kicked Trump off the ballot. I don't think people realize what a dangerous precedent this is for the country to start there. What do you think? I was infuriated by this. I mean, look, I don't think Donald Trump needs to be the next president. I think I need to be the next president. I think that would be good for the country. Mm -hmm. But I want to beat him fair and square. Mm -hmm. we, don't we don't need to have judges deciding who should and shouldn't be on the ballot. That is so dangerous to do that. Yep. And that is totally undermining the will of the people. Mm -hmm. I trust Americans to make that decision. I trust the people of Colorado to make that decision. And the people of Colorado should be serious. But what I don't like, Jimmy, is where is Joe Biden? Yeah. Why has he not stood up and said, this is wrong? Yep. Where are the Democrats? Where, I mean, how can they say that this is okay? Because this is, yes, while they might be doing this to Donald Trump, this could happen to them too. Yep. And in a time where we need to have more freedom, mm -hmm. more individual liberty, less government control, less mandates, this is the total opposite. Yeah. And that's exactly what people don't like. It's exactly what we're fighting. And the fact that Joe Biden is unbelievably silent on this is so telling of where he wants to take our country. That is a great point. We're talking to Nikki Haley, uh, who, if elected, would be the first president to invite Def Leppard to the White House, as far as my calculations are concerned. Uh, but let me stay focused for a second. Um, when you talk about this issue and the Democrats being in a position where they're okay, seemingly, with the lawfare that we're seeing as it pertains to Donald Trump, I think it's very reflective of the climate we find ourselves in. Do you think, as a president, you could actually lower the thermostat? Because it's so cutthroat, and I do believe that they're bringing most of this aggression to the fight. Well, I think it's a couple of things. I think, first of all, this is why I say, look, I think President Trump was the right president at the right time. I agree with a lot of his policies. I had a good working relationship with him. But rightly or wrongly, Jimmy, chaos follows him. Mm -hmm. It just does. It follows him. And if you look at it, this is one of many things. But we can't have a country in disarray. We can't have a world on fire and go through four more years of chaos. We won't survive it. You don't defeat Democrat chaos with Republican chaos. And right now we're sitting in Democrat chaos. That's why we need to have strong conservative views out there that are focused on freedom and democracy and strength and getting rid of the lawlessness, whether it's at the border, getting an economy that's under control, 
paying down our debt, getting our kids reading and schools back to the basics. Uh-huh. Those are the things we need to focus on. And we don't have time for any more chaos and distractions. And this is another example of that. I, I, you know, I agree on all of this. So let me let me throw this one at you, because, you know, as a guy who follows the politics day in and day out on the TV and the radio. OK, a lot of the hot talk right now is that you are surging past Ron DeSantis in a lot of ways. Uh, in a moment of pure candor, I want you to give me a percentage. How much of this is you being a great candidate? How much of this percentage-wise is them running a bad campaign? Oh, I think I'm a fantastic candidate. <laughs> yeah, I you think are. I'm talking- <laughs> Because I think I know exactly what the people want. You know, I'm a military spouse. I'm a mom. I'm a, the daughter of legal immigrants who think it's offensive what's happening at the border. I'm an accountant. You know, I, I know what the people are saying, and I know how to relate to them. And more than anything, I tell them the hard truth. Mm-hmm. That's the key. I don't pay attention to anybody else's campaign. I mean, if Ron's campaign is a dumpster fire, that's his issue. <laughs> My issue is how do I connect with as many people as I can, answer as many questions as I can, and let them know that we have a country to save. And I think that's why we're surging is people get that I am, you know, honest with them. And I think they're seeing what I did in South Carolina where, you know, it was that we brought the people in and we made South Carolina an economic powerhouse. I think they saw my strength against Russia, China, Iran, and all our adversaries at the UN and how we brought respect to America again. And I think that they're tired and they want to see some direction, but more than that, they want to see results and they feel like they get that with me. Um, Nikki Haley is on the line, former South Carolina governor, uh, former UN ambassador, current uh, surging GOP candidate for the White House. So I know you see that momentum and you feel that momentum on the road because I see your events and I see the turnout and everything in between. But are you at the place in the movie, okay, in the in the Nikki Haley movie, are you at the place where you feel enough momentum that you could actually beat Trump? Where are we in the movie right now? I know we can. Without a question, I know we can. I've always known that we can because I trust the American people. It's not that we don't appreciate President Trump's service. I appreciate his service. Mm -hmm. I know that he didn't get a moment's peace or an ounce of credit. Mm -hmm. It is about the fact that I don't want my kids to grow up like this. I don't want a country like this. And we can do better. And this is a time where we have too many threats around the world to be putting our head in the sand. And this is a time where you look at the younger generation, they don't know how they're going to get jobs. They don't know how they're going to afford rent. They don't know when they're ever going to be able to afford a home. Mm -hmm. And then there's, you know, protests on college campuses. This is about not just thinking four or eight years. This is about where do we want to go 10, 20, 30 years out? We owe it to our country to do that. And so, um, look, I mean, I think that's what we have. We have a chance to do something really great here. And I think the people of Iowa are getting it. Mm-hmm. I think the people of New Hampshire are saying we're going to do this. And I think the people in my sweet state of South Carolina are going to help us get it. And, you know, I I think that we have a country to save. I think everybody knows that. And we're going to fight until the very end. We're not letting our foot off the gas at all. I dig it. Uh, and I think something that's conveniently overlooked by a lot of voters is if they wound up with a Trump-Biden matchup, they're essentially getting a lame duck president no matter how this thing shakes out. I mean, you are positioned uniquely to serve two terms. So there's a lot of, you know, there is absolutely positively a lot of upside. But the only other thing I wanted to ask you, okay? Well, let me just say this too, Jimmy. Let me Uh just say this, because if you look at the head-to-head polls with with any of us in Biden, Mm -hmm. I mean, Trump might beat Biden by two journal. He was up by four. That's margin of error. Mm -hmm. You look at every one of those general election polls, 
in Wall Street Journal and the others. I'm up double digits. I beat Biden by 17 points. That means it's more than the presidency. That's about governorships. That's winning the House. That's winning the Senate. And that's a mandate to pay our debt down and to get our economy under control. That's a mandate to get our kids reading again and getting our schools back to the basics. That's why that's going to matter. No, I, I listen, I, th- I think all of that's huge. And that's a really good point to potentially make on a debate stage if you can ever get anyone to debate you. <laughs> well, we enjoy debates, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, we've got another one coming up, I guess, on January 10th in Iowa. So we look forward to it. Rock and roll. Uh, Merry Christmas to all the Haley's. Uh, try not to do too many keg stands with the kids, okay? Oh, Merry Christmas. It's always fun to be with you. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you in person and <laughs> and being on your show again. Let's get them. Take care, Nikki. Take care. There she yeah. goes. Nikki Haley surging in the polls makes a really good point, man. I say this all the time on this show. Could Nikki Haley be president of Twitter? The answer would be no. No chance. Okay, Twitter loves Trump, and to some extent they like DeSantis because DeSantis hired a lot of Twitter influencers. That's what he strategized his campaign around. He was like, I got it. I'll pay all the people who live in Florida that are big on Twitter. That's stupid. Use your common sense. They've run such a bad campaign, DeSantis. That being said, the point Haley makes about polling is true. Trump beats Biden in a lot of polls head-to-head by a point or two. Okay, Haley beats him by 15 to 18 points. The reason it's significant is because that means she can win down ballot. Okay, if you beat a guy by one point, it means the voters are pretty split over which party they want, which means you're not going to carry a majority in the Senate and the House. Okay, Trump has historically been a really bad candidate down ballot, meaning his actual candidates, okay, have not led to majorities in the Senate and the House. We were supposed to have a red wave on the midterm elections this year supposed to be a red wave to wash over the whole thing. And if you were on Twitter day in and day out, you were convinced that there was no other possibility but a red wave. And I say that why? Because they weren't even close. Okay, we didn't go anywhere close to a red wave. When you see one candidate in the general election beating the other by 17 points, that means you're going to win everything down the ballot. So she's positioned really well. The truth is there's a lot of anger in this primary. Obviously, the Republicans are rallying around the flag because we're watching a political persecution against Donald Trump. But if this election comes down to who can win the White House, the House and the Senate, Nikki Haley actually would wind up being the nominee. I'm not saying we're going to get there because the God's honest truth is Trump still has a big lead on her. Okay, and there's a lot of people in the party that would rather lose with Trump than win with anybody else, if only because it's as personal as it is. So it's a lot of buzzwords floating around Twitter when you hear Nikki Haley's name. Uh, But if you're actually paying attention to what voters want and not the hive-minded lunacy that describes Twitter, then you realize Nikki Haley has a really good shot at running the table here. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. It's the best of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Boom! There it is. Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon talking about Nikki Haley. I Listen, man, she's got heat. Get her out. Get her <laughs> out of here. I don't doubt Trump is not a fan, but in the next hour, it'll be a different woman taking center stage. I am talking about Jenny Fela, uh, the belle of the ball, the woman who got this whole thing rolling. Like, whatever you're listening to day in and day out, if you listen to me on the radio, if you watch me on TV, if you come see me do sold-out stand-up shows, which is so cool to say, um, none of it, like actually none of it is possible if I don't meet Jenny. Like that's the truth. I was a, um, 
don't know how you'd explain it. A little bit of a thrill seeker <laughs> in my 20s. Uh, given to games of chance at the casino. Uh, you know, spent a lot of time in bars, you know, running around with a pretty interesting crowd. My hobbies are fast cars and fast women. Absolutely. And those are fine hobbies. <laughs> but the point is. Uh, after a life of fast cars and fast women, uh, one night I was doing stand-up comedy in Cleveland at Hilarities. It was December 11, 2003, when I ran into Jenny Fela, and it was actually it's the craziest thing in the world. It's just like a compass, if that makes sense, that just pointed my life in the correct direction. Now, to be clear, I say that begrudgingly because I was having a lot of fun. A lot of fun in the run-up to meeting Jenny Fela. You're just another dirtbag. But I was a happy dirtbag. <laughs> I was having a good time. Uh, but I ran into this Jenny Fela girl, and it's very interesting because I never, it's very true, um, I really never, ever, ever actually cared about the other person's experience in life, meaning I've liked girls, girls like me, but I never actually had like this protective thing that I had the minute I saw her. I was like, oh, this is actually like my wife. This is weird, and you just got to be really nice to this girl and build a decent life with her. And uh, it might have taken 20 years, but I've kind of done that, and I only did it because I had somebody to build it for and because she does come from a great family, and I didn't want to embarrass them and, like, take a perp walk on national TV because I got, you know, in a fight with a bookie or something like that. So were it not for Jenny Fallow, there's no way any of this stuff is happening. I'm kind of aware of that. So uh, it makes it very easy to be me because you kind of have a North Star that guides you through the day. That being said, we sit around and talk just a lot of about this woman. I mean, Lincoln and I... Man, oh boy, it's like a friar's roast every night. Lincoln is like Don Rickles. He just comes home and starts insulting the whole family. And then I'll essentially like attempt to break it up, but ultimately take his side just for fun skis. And uh, she likes it in the end. Jenny actually, you know, she loves the fact that we kind of give her a hard time. <laughs> All right, Jenny, stay away from the buttons, Jenny. Anyway. We do have Jenny Fela joining us next. And then Lincoln Fela as well, because it is the final live hour of 2023 with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. You're going to hear me next week because I'm getting together over the weekend and recording some best of episodes where we're curating, you know, interviews I like during the year and stuff like that. But those are pre-recorded things that I'm making for you guys. So I have fresh content, so to speak, uh, on the holidays. But in terms of me being here, speaking to you live right now, this is it, girlfriend. This is the grand finale. You know, I say bottom of the ninth all the time on this show. This is like the bottom of the 11th. We are out of innings in the year 2023, but we got a lot to look forward to in 2024. It is going to be bananas. We've got a stand-up special dropping. We've got a book dropping. The only thing that's not dropping is my weight. That's true. That is true. Okay, but aside from that... <laughs> Got a lot to do. We got a lot to do in early January, so you guys better get your game face on. I will. Going to take you up the driveway, over the steps, through the door, pet the dog. You're in my house. You're hanging out with Jenny Fela, who is our next guest on the show, uh, the woman that made it all happen uh, for me in this world. I mean, to be clear, I'm the show pony. I'm carrying this family. Uh, but there wouldn't be a family to carry were it not for this phenomenal woman who joins us next right here on the Big Bad One and Only Fox Across America. It's the best of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. But everyone listening needs to know. Mm-hmm. 
This is my favorite thing I've ever done in show business. Why? Do you want to know why? Yes. Because you and me, okay, for whatever this is worth, we met, what, 20 years ago? 20 years. 20 years this year. Mm -hmm. And we knew, did we not, that we were going to get married the night we met. Totally. And people get emotional when they hear that, but I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We didn't say anything about being happy. Uh-huh. But for real, okay, <laughs> we just knew we were going to be together. And here yeah. we are 20 years later. But what have I called our showbiz operation for every second that I've known you? Whether I was going to like a firehouse gig and you were like ironing a shirt, which is ironic because no one has an iron shirt at a firehouse gig. <laughs> Everyone's half in the bag. Uh, but no matter where I was performing, no matter what I was auditioning for, what did we always refer to ourselves as? The mom and pop. A mom and pop showbiz entity. We mm-hmm. would always say that. We're like this little mom and pop store. Just trying to get this little showbiz operation off the ground, make a couple of bucks. Well, now we're like a full-blown retailer. We're like a Macy's. We're getting looted. (laughs) People are clotheslining each other in the aisles. We've kind of gone global. We have books coming out, stand-up specials, a nationally syndicated talk show. But the one thing we've never done together uh, is TV. I've never gotten it. It is so funny. Funny, because I'm sure you're feeling some small semblance of torment over this. And small. We can... <laughs> Is that true? Oh. Have you developed an eating disorder totally. this week? No, totally. no, you dare. You look gorgeous, Jenny. But the point is, uh, I get you in the ring on live television Saturday night, and it's just funny to me. I've done a million radio hits with you, probably. Yeah, yeah. And, and all kinds of other things, like IRS audit. We've done everything <laughs> together. <laughs> We've overcome a lot in the last 20 years. But the idea of coming back from commercial and looking in your face on live TV is going to be hilarious to me. Oh, Where is we it? We can't even talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, if we're a mom and pop, mm-hmm. I am like the lady, the old grandma lady that just like is in the back with the broom and the stuff. I don't want to be up at the cash register. <laughs> I don't want to do that. No, no, that's you. Okay. That's Lincoln. I, I, I'm the behind the scenes. I'm taking inventory. But you, <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing stuff like that. Are you keeping in the, the books room. in like a marble notebook? Totally. Totally. That's, <laughs> You're doing, that's my place. But now, you know, I got into a skirmish with a customer and you've got to come protect the register. Come, yeah, I got to come work the register. <laughs> You're the woman in the bodega with the cat and the shotgun. Yeah. Nobody knows they're there. Yeah. Can we take Daisy? Can well, I bring her? Bring the cat. Uh, Daisy, our cat, 18 years old. She's been along for 18 of the 20 years we've known I each know. other. Is that crazy? She's a little old lady. Yeah. Maybe we should bring Daisy as a matter of fact. We haven't done a lot of TV with Daisy. She hasn't even been on the radio. And, you know, I'm always giving, and I think you would admit this, Jenny, uh, this show, I think, gives a very unique access in terms of media I, I don't know anyone in media who gives people who listen, people who might consider themselves fans more access than I do. Do you? No, not that I know. Like to the point that it, is it a little crazy of me or is this? No, I mean, where are we weighing in on this I as mean, a mom and pop? Lo- my, in, but the in, fans I are cool. In, I, would, I was going to say, in most circumstances, I think you would be doing way too much. Uh-huh. However, the people that listen and the people that we meet are so nice and so cool. It's like, it, I know. you don't mind it. Aren't you kind of sad that you missed East Texas two I'm weeks ago? I'm so sad. And the country tavern and everything. I'm so sad. It's just like the best people. And then even like last weekend, because I didn't bring you guys down to Palm Beach. But it's so weird because I think you've been to enough events now to know. I have not met a person who listens to the show that isn't cool. Meaning yeah. like you meet them and instantaneously like them. Totally. I think that's my favorite thing. I say this on the radio every day about what we're doing is we've definitely, you know, we're not cool, but we've cultivated a cool following. Totally. Like I don't consider us cool. You know what I mean? What do yeah. we do around the house all day? 
I mean, it's bizarre. No, we have a bizarre relationship because, yeah. like, you like mow the lawn and like install new windows. <laughs> yes, I'm the cook. I fixed the freezer last week. <laughs> Jenny fixed the ice maker in the freezer last week. I had to order parts. Well, like, I made a, a real... quiche. I mean, it's it's backwards. I mean, like, it's listen, great. It works. It is. It just kind of works out. Like I'm in, you know, listen, I, I'm in charge of cigar consumption, alcohol consumption, which, by the way, I have 164 Padron left from our man Clay out in California. Wow. Speaking of cool listeners. Uh, but the truth is we do give, uh, I would think, almost an unprecedented level of access because I don't know for as good as things have gotten and as crazy as they've gotten comparative to where we started. Mm-hmm. OK, it doesn't. It, it just feels the same. Yeah. And it's the one thing. Um, everyone always checks up on you about here at Fox is people like it at executive level. They're like, they're very regular people. So the only thing they ever ask, they don't talk to you about TV. They don't talk to you about comedy. They're always like, how's your family? Family good? Is your family doing okay with this? And like, I feel bad trying to explain to them that we're the same. Yeah. Which is weird because I think if you were to put this down on paper, like this started, okay, when Lincoln was born, we were poor enough that you were making his diapers. Oh, yeah. We weren't. Is everyone listening Cloth, right now? Diaper, we weren't yeah. buying diapers. Like, yep. we were making. <laughs> yep. I made baby food. She made baby food. Yeah. Yep. Okay. We were driving a taxi living out of a shoebox. Like, for real. Mm-hmm. The bank of Nike. The first, yeah. and We actually got audited because of this. Yeah. Because we were so poor that the IRS didn't believe like, a, like, you can't be living on this. I'm like, you don't know who I married. They're like, how do you afford diapers? I'm like, here's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, we don't. <laughs> how are you feeding this kid? I'm like, well, we're making it. We're yeah. hunting. We're yeah. hunters and gatherers in yep. our family. Uh, but that's where this kind of thing started. And I think what happens is I think uh, we have a lot of perspective from being there. And I think the reason we tell the story, like I tell the story exhaustively, is I'm trying to remind people about like the spectacular possibilities of life in this country. Because the truth is, if two, you know, yam bags like you and me could be sitting here on top of a low level showbiz empire, everybody listening is capable of, would you say just about anything? A thousand percent. Like time travel. If Jenny and I are sitting here with our own name on a nationally syndicated talk show, you, the listener, could be Secretary of the Interior this time tomorrow. Because I promise you, we've done a lot of dumb things. Uh, we've done a lot of fun things. And I think that's the key. Would you not say the key to our success is we were too busy having fun to notice how bad it was going? thousand percent. <laughs> like, whole, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, like for real, like when I look back on where we started, like now I'm like, my God, how did mm-hmm. like, how did that, how did we even do that? I know. But we were laughing so hard during all of it. Like I didn't feel it. Yeah. Like I felt the wake ups. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. We, you know, a, a lot of nights I'd sleep like three hours to go drive a car. I mean, then I'd sleep another three behind the wheel. So don't act like, you know, don't, people you, just be like, you, you got your REM. Yeah, people are like, you're sleep deprived. I'm like, you've never driven with me. <laughs> I get plenty of sleep at 82 miles an hour. But wouldn't you say, if we were going to share something with the world this holiday season, you know, my whole manifesto about like, we're just supposed to be having fun. Yep. But isn't that really it? It is. Like, what am I, I don't feel like I'm overlooking anything. You're not, you're not. But you know, the, the funny thing is, is that, 
you you do say that often. It is your manifesto. Just mm-hmm. you know, go have fun. Just have fun. Go have mm-hmm. fun. But almost to the detriment because our son will, <laughs> if I'm trying to get him to study for a science test or something like that, and he'll be like, "Oh, well, what am I going to use this?" He's like, "Listen, Daddy says you just have to enjoy your life. You just have to have fun, and this isn't fun for me." I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" Like, so he takes you a little too literally. So maybe back that off just a little bit to the 15 year old. You know what's like, funny? <laughs> all of my all of my life lessons are great until you add the word officer to them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the whole point of being alive is that fun, officer. officer. <laughs> oh, gosh. Jenny Fail is in studio. It's the final live hour of the year. Okay, tomorrow we have a guest host. Next week, a lot of best doves, a couple more guest hosts. Why? Uh, because I'm taking Lincoln to Pittsburgh and back to watch some football. Mm-hmm. Then uh, we're driving back to New York for 24 hours. <laughs> Then we're driving right back past Pittsburgh. Go figure. All the way out to Ohio to see Jenny's family, and we'll yuck it up out in the Buckeye State. Uh, Because that's what we do, man. A lot of family, a lot of fun. And another point I wanted to make, uh, this comes up a lot lately on the show, too, is there's definitely such a thing as family privilege. Family privilege. Like you come from a good family. Yep. Okay. I did that sound sincere? I rehearsed it for hours. <laughs> I've, been, I've been working on that one for like a month. <laughs> I'm kidding, but you come from a good family. I come from a good family. Mm-hmm. Um, we definitely, they're both nuts in their own weird way, but I don't mean like clinically insane, just, no. you know, nutty and fun. Yes. Uh, and I think, again, back to my other manifesto, uh, anybody who truly has a good family and a good relationship with their family is like way ahead in life. Uh, we talk yes. about currency. Yes. You know, I, I can't even stress that enough. And, and no matter what, like you talk about when we were, you know, struggling when we were younger and when we were first married and him, there is, there is such a thing as just having like, you know, you're going to work hard, you know, everything, but there is just such, like you said, a privilege to know, like if we really fell into it, you know, our families would, you know, we, they would open their door to us. They would, I mean, and that's just such a huge, huge thing. Yeah. And of course we would reciprocate, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it is such depends a, depends on the family member. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, <laughs> don't if, put that if out there. Aunt Kathy runs into a rough night at the dog track. I can't promise oh, you yeah. the front door swinging open. <laughs> you, know? you know, her in the dog track. Yeah, Dan, maybe, but Kathy, I don't know. Uh, but no, you're right. And uh, it's cool to not only have like that army of support, but just like people in your life that are kind of like a compass because you care about them. Like, I mean, it, it's honestly, it's funny, but uh, I don't know that I would be this productive if I, I, I mean, I actually do know for a fact that wouldn't be this productive if I didn't not only have like you to care about, but your extended family to not want to like embarrass yeah. Which is a weird statement given some of the things I wear on TV. <laughs> like, I don't, I doubt I've brought some shame and consternation on the family. But no, I think all of those things are so valuable. And I think when I look out at the world right now, because you know this, like I genuinely do want to help. Yeah. And, and it may not always stay that way. I would love to get to that detached place where I don't have to care every day. Because I walk around caring. It's like but it's I don't exhausting. Think you will. I no, think, I know. I think when you come from what you came from, I think you mm-hmm. don't. You know when they say like people who survived um bad things like the depression yes, or something. Yes, that they just never can like go back to just uh-huh. being, you know, like yeah. spending they still keep the same uh-huh. habits because yeah. they just have, you know, yeah. lived through that. I think it's a little bit like that. 
I in, also, a, in a weird sense. I, I also think that it's silly that we both compare 20 years of marriage to the Depression. <laughs> <laughs> Is that weird? That's the first metaphor that came to life for the past 20 years was the Depression. <laughs> no, that's current. That's the current. That's the current. Story. You know, I always compare it more to like a submarine trip to the Titanic. Jack <laughs> uh, Fail is here mixing metaphors. Apparently the marriage not going as good as I had declared off the top. Stop. Mom and pop showbiz heading for mediation Stop. right quick. Uh, quick break, and we are back after this with TV superstar Jenny Fela on Fox Across America. It's the best of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fela. Uh, I'll be back. There'll be pre-tapes. There'll be best ofs. Things will happen. But the point is, if you want to hear me live in action with my dirtbag family, by the way, Jenny Fela is still here for a few more minutes before she gets thrown out and replaced with Lincoln, who, by the way, between you and me, has he earned single guest status on the show? He claims he... He thinks he does. <laughs> like, yo, I go on shows here on Fox as a panelist. Uh-huh. Like, constantly. Yeah. Like, I've never once said to a show, look, if I don't get my own segment, I'm not coming on. I'm not on. doing it. But my son... <laughs> You've created a monster. <laughs> it's like, I don't share the mic anymore. <laughs> and he wants his own segment. Uh. So my concern is the way it's booked for this Saturday night. I'm hosting Fox News Saturday night. Um, if you guys have been paying attention for the last six months, I'm in a rotation. It's like myself and four less talented people. <laughs> and I'm being silly. They all know I love them. Uh, but the point is, this Saturday night, it is a Christmas special uh, that mm-hmm. will air on the 23rd. It will air again on the 24th. Uh, I believe it's also airing on Christmas, but don't hold me to that. Okay. Uh, because you know what I'll be doing when it does air on Christmas? Mm. Driving to Ohio at yep. 94 miles an hour. So I'm not going to know if it aired or not. Right. But the point <laughs> is, uh, we are taping this show live Saturday night. Jenny and Lincoln are scheduled to be on together i didn't even think about this he oh. won't do radio on a panel so maybe he'll like kick me off the set and i can just be backstage <laughs> you, why are you trying to get out of this i feel bad <laughs> jenny you're gonna be great tv angles tv angles. oh really <laughs> what's that like tell me what it's like jenny tell me what it's like to be haunted by tv angles everybody i'm surrounded by is like a supermodel they weigh 107 pounds like oh my god i'm so full i had a blade of grass last tuesday and then i come in with like a veal parm in each hand it's disgusting i mean i like people see me and yell, you're a dude it's I different know, but it's not different anymore because now i'm on like that much that no, I, have I get become, it for you for you and your job now no no I like it. i have i would say in like only in like the last three months I have, like, actually made peace with, like, the lifestyle of TV guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, was doing a lot of TV well, the last so two years. you weight. A little bit. But, I, I, but, but the point is, I was doing, like, this much TV a year ago, mm-hmm. but I wasn't living like I was doing this much TV. <laughs> like, once in a while, I'd see myself in America's newsroom, and I'd be sweating in my face, even though it was 12 <laughs> degrees out, because Jimmy was in an airport bar the night before. <laughs> getting, sweating out yeah, that bourbon? Jimmy was getting dragged out of an airport Chili's at 1.30 in the morning. I'm like, hi, Bill and Dana! You guys are my best friends! But uh, the point is, I've kind of grown accustomed to the lifestyle of, like, self-care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's definitely been a little bit of a change uh, for me personally. But you only have to go through it for one night. I don't want to hear it, girlfriend. <laughs> you have one night, you have one segment. It's like five minutes long. I know. It's just you and Lincoln. But I is know. it like between you and me? Because I know you. Is it is it haunting you or you kind of think it's goofy? A little of both. Really? Yeah. I can't. I don't get it, man. Well, because you're you, ha- you have a totally different personality than me. That is true. Like, we're very, like, compatible, yeah. but you're very comfortable in front of a crowd. You're very comfortable, like, holding court and talking, mm-hmm. and, and I really am, you know. Yeah. 
I'm what? not that person. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. I, can, I work like, alone in the garage. No, I, I want to back you up dog. there. And I'm not trying to build you up. But you're better <laughs> at parties than I am. Like, absolutely, there's no argument there. That's true, because you like Irish goodbye and, like, leave, leave without <laughs> Yo, anybody knowing. You guys it's to, the funniest thing. Everyone needs to know this, because if you've come to one of my stand-up shows, or you're going to come to one next year, I will meet 2,000 people. If I yeah. have to take 2,000 selfies, I'll do it, and I'll love it. Yeah. But I've never stayed at a party for longer than an hour no. in my life. no. Never. Like I will literally go to a party down the block at our neighbor's house and be like, one second, I just got to take a phone call and run home. Yeah. And I mean, like, people are onto it now. Yeah, they know. But it, it was funny the first couple of years. They're like, oh, Jimmy, Jimmy said he's going to be back. I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Jimmy I'm like, just okay. I'm home. like, all right. <laughs> like, he ain't coming back. What are you, nuts? <laughs> he's asleep on the couch right now. So <laughs> so are you telling me you're going to Irish goodbye my TV oh, segment? Oh, you just gave me an idea. We're going to go to commercial. We're going to go check on the dog. Go to commercial, come back from break, and she's just not there. <laughs> Jenny, you stop it. You stop it right now, Jenny Fela. Everyone is excited. It's Fox News Saturday night. It is this Saturday night, uh, 10 p.m. live. You're going to see Jessica Tarloff, Emily Austin, my man Brett Azar's in the house. Yeah. Uh, I'm, of course, hosting it. There's a great segment where we talk to Fox talent. We taped it earlier with the tree lighting and had debates over, like, which Fox talent would throw the best Christmas party. We interviewed a lot of street people. It was a good time. Oh, that's fun. Yes, and you will see Jenny Fallon making her first and last <laughs> national TV God appearance. Willing. Between you and me, I think you're going to kill it. How about a big hand for Jenny Fallon? Mm. Oh, stop it. She's the best. Uh, shout out to Jenny Fallon. Uh, shout out to everybody uh, who appreciates the power and importance of having a good woman in your life. Man, would that be nice for me to have or what? You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. Yo, the smack talk never ends on this show. You should have figured that out by now. If you were let down by that comment, I'm not the bad guy here. You are for having the wrong set of expectations. That's true. That is true. Have the happiest and healthiest new year allowable by law. I will see you back here live on the radio. Get your game face on. We're doing the dang thing. From New York, it's the Fox Across America All-American New Year Spectacular with your host, Jimmy Fallon. Here we go, here we go. Broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City, it is the Fox Across America New Year's Spectacular with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. We will celebrate the year that was. We will look ahead at the year that will be. And along the way, we will party like it's 1999 because that's what year Joe Biden thinks it is. Biden's lost his marbles. We have rounded up and corralled a host of my Fox News news favorites as well as some regulars on my daily show Fox Across America and if you're looking if you are looking out at the world and you see that it kind of feels like it's on fire this year well this is your chance to roast some marshmallows so grab a stick and join us for the next hour and we're going to have ourselves a heck of a whole lot of fun buddy can you dig it can you dig it can you dig it 2023, a fun year for me. 
but an insane year to cover on the radio. So I'm very thankful for this chance to relive a lot of it with you and filter 2024 through the lens of what we currently know right now. And what do we know right now? The world is a bit of a mess. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. But we will attempt to clean it up today for a full hour. And joining me to bat leadoff, a nationally touring comedy sensation, Diamond Dave Landau, right here on the show. Diamond Dave Landau, hey, Snookums. Hey, baby, how are you? You're now better now. You're always good for morale. And uh, we were having a pretty heartfelt conversation about Norman Lear. Uh, and shows, I know. Like, you know, all in the family and everything else. And believe me, it wasn't a sad conversation. It was just, it was like a sad commentary on where we are as a country that we don't have mainstream comedy as debauched as Norman Lear shows. It really is very sad. And I mean, 101 years old, you know, fentanyl's just getting everybody now. <laughs> at, a, at an age when most people are just getting ready to run for president as a Democrat, fentanyl you know, snuffed just, that life out. <laughs> <laughs> Could, couldn't believe his chute didn't open. <laughs> Apparently there's a, a typo in the book, 101 Ways to Do It. Uh, yes, that's <laughs> Fell off a Ducati going twice his age. <laughs> I, I, Go ahead. I, no, I, I, I say, obviously, joke, because I, I love Norman Lear's shows. I mean, you're looking at somebody who put together All in the Family. He put together, I mean, Sanford and Son at yeah. a time that that was extremely irreverent. Mm -hmm. um, just the amount of stuff that he was able to put out. The Jeffersons, which is obviously a spinoff, you mm -hmm. know, but yeah. he had so many, and... Yeah, we don't have any of those mainstream comedies anymore. Every family is ish. Yeah. It's just something followed by the word ish. <laughs> so true. Uh, or I mean, it's a show, a cooking channel show, where they make, like uh, the one where, you know, children cook. Yeah. For the grown-ups, and for some reason, they're allowed to tell the kids how awful they are. <laughs> <laughs> while, while, si while, as long as they're cooking with cage-free chicken, cage-free eggs. It's of like, course, well, yes. the, well, the the chickens are treated fabulously. The kids, not so much. Well, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Children, the children will be degraded by a top chef. <laughs> Because they're seven years old and this is their first time touching a stove. That's what television is now. <laughs> we just bring in British people to yell at us. That's what American society has become. We're just a, It's a thinly veiled dominatrix. We're just getting treated like hell at every turn. And I think that's where you, uh, the loss of Norman Lear hits us the hardest is we used to be able to laugh at ourselves. And uh, we can, you and me can, our fans can. Thankfully, it's out there. But I think the collective can't because I think what happened is when, you know, you started to censor comedy and you started to censor other things like music and movies and make sure they hit diversity quotas and everything else, you're narrowing the lanes of cre creativity. I think that's the biggest thing. That's why Colbert sucks is because if half of the country is off limits as a punchline, you know, you eventually run out of targets to shoot at. Oh, you absolutely have. And if you look at a show like All in the Family, which I think was an original show, you need to have an American spirit behind it. Mm -hmm. And uh, Biden killed that. <laughs> well, <he's>, you know. <laughs> just, but I mean, it's 
there there was this idea though where you could punch it yourself and somebody could watch what they thought was a reflection of American society on TV. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, we're not allowed to see the real Americans anymore on the mainstream shows. And yeah. that's what's heartbreaking is you used to watch it because you you related to that guy or like you know an Al Bundy, even though yeah. it was different, but that yeah. was kind of a play on that. Yeah, it know? was a regular guy. the The only time now, honestly. You'd see like a chubby middle-aged white guy in a commercial, is if he is marketing women's spandex. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's... Right. yeah, well, it's a Victoria's Secret ad, and he also has vitiligo. <laughs> that's the only way you're going to see a middle-aged white guy in a commercial if he's marketing female products to you. And that's yeah, we broke the compass, man. The great Diamond Dave Landau. There he goes. There we go back after this. The show that makes 2024 feel a lot like 2023. New year, same old crap. You're listening to the Fox Across America All-American New Year Spectacular with Jimmy Fallon. It's the best of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. In this next segment, a woman I met for the first time on the Gutfeld Show right here on the Fox News Channel who has absolutely positively no filter. Very sharp, but she doesn't edit herself in any way when it comes to sharing opinions, which is what we need more of going into 2024. Because here's the God's honest truth. Freedom of speech matters. Because if the words ain't free, then neither are you and me. So without further ado, a woman who is done pulling punches. Although to be fair, I don't know that she ever started. Emily Austin makes her debut on the show and the crowd goes wild what it is. Hey, girl. Hi. Good to see you. This crowd really went wild. Oh, no, they did. There were sound you effects. You and I are going wild. You want to know why we didn't play the clips? Because you're not wearing headphones because you don't need to. But we would have played crowd noise for you to hear and feel excited about. I think I'll be okay. But we did. That's what I mean. You're okay. going to get by. Good to see you, pal. Nice Thanks for coming in. You. The point of the book I wrote uh, is an A to Z cancel culture dictionary, an A to Z guide to winning the war on fun. You just kind of. <laughs> the th- war on fun. That's what it's called. Right here. <laughs> There it is. Fox Nation cameras go bananas. But why do I say that? Because we're policing sources of fun. Yeah. Is that C was comedy? Because comedy was canceled. Yeah. And oh, actually, really? Yeah. Oh, we good. talk about it. And yeah. I explained to people how we kind of recalibrated the world this year. And it, this has been over the course of several years. Social yeah. media kind of brought this on. But we started to police the places we went to get away from the policing. You know what I mean? That's yeah. like my mantra, like defund the joke police. Yeah. Who cares? Like the world's on fire. It's not comedians. But we spend more time going after comedians than we do criminals, like as a collective. Yeah, facts, actually. Yeah. Isn't it bizarre, though? It's like so weird. Yeah. I told you this like after Gutfeld. Mm-hmm. I really think it comes from like, not to get too deep here, yeah, like yeah. a lack of attention. Yeah. Like when you need attention, you'll go to the highest extremes to find something to make yourself sound like you're a victim mm-hmm. to then like get people's sympathy. And yes. it's like, I feel bad for you. But it's true. And I think we've incentivized outrage. Like, so my theory in the year 2023, okay, you tell me if this holds any sway, is I don't think anyone's offended. I think, I think like 1% of the people are offended. I think 99% of them know that there's currency that comes from saying I'm offended. Like I want a promotion at Netflix because Dave Chappelle offended me. But I don't think they truly go home and like cry. I think they just see it as a business model. What do you think of that? Yes and no. I feel like genuinely they're not offended, but they've almost 
conditioned themselves to become triggered by everything. Like I look for it, definitely. Right. Like I see like transgenders who visibly look like the opposite gender that they identify as getting mad that people are misgendering you. I'm sorry, honey, if you have a beard, if you have a beard and you look like a dude and you're fat and you're seven feet tall, I'm going to think you're a dude. It's not because I'm transphobic. It's because I thought you were a dude. So if you're going to throw a fit and try to cancel me for misgendering you, which Harvard cares more about than Jews (laughs) genocide on campus, then fine. But um, it's very insensitive that you misgendered a lady like me. Yeah, with the voice like that. I know. We're like, not exactly, as a matter of fact. You have a beard. Sorry. You're making great points. And this is the part that I think about all of, like, the performative censorship and outrage and everything in between that was really exposed, though. This is the one thing I think we benefited from in 2023. I think the college kids did us a favor. Not that we enjoy or approve of anti-Semitism. Right. But the ship has now sailed on censoring speech at colleges. And as a comic, like, this is how it started. I don't think so. You think they're still going to try to push back on conservative views? No, they're, they're censoring conservative views, but they, they let the free speech on the hate For their side, side prevail. So it's like when I made fun of my classmate because she identified as a cat, uh-huh. I had consequences. But yeah. when they say hail Hitler, it's all good. <laughs> so it's like they're, they're selectively allowing the free speech to whatever fits their narrative. And a great point, Emily Austin, is that they try to give it more nuance than it has. They're like, well, they said hail Hitler. I mean, they could have been hailing a taxi. I mean, let's, it's not... <laughs> Let's not just the context matters. Yeah, let's not conflate this with Nazism just yet. Hail Hitler is a lot of maybe it's hailing out. Yeah, and you thought exactly. you saw a guy who looked like Hitler. You know, it's insane. But I think they've been exposed on a level that if you're right to say maybe they won't uh, give conservative speech a free pass on their campus. But I think society realizes now collectively how full of it they are. Is I, that fair? I think it's, yes, it's loosening up for sure. Yeah. I said something, I was like, guys, I'm done. I, I go to my family, guys, I'm canceled after today uh-huh. for saying something completely normal. I said trans woman, alleged woman, shouldn't be in Miss Universe as a Miss Universe judge. And I'm like, guys, watch, I'm done. Everyone agreed with me. Really? And I was like, That's progress. Messiah's coming. That's progress. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> But it is. It's progress. It's progress. We're getting back to like a a norm that's still not normal, but it's more normal than where we're at. Great points. You know where like this is where cancel culture screwed it up. Okay, is they created a gap between what people believe to be true and what they were willing to say in public. Mm -hmm. And what you're speaking to is the fact that that gap is closing. People are now more apt to call out a Leah Thomas or a Will Thomas than they were a year and a half ago because they were horrified. Publicly, yeah. What's yeah. funny is like privately, and I love just outing everyone. Yeah. You know, I work with athletes yeah, all day, yeah. and uh-huh. I go to the best athletes in the NBA, tennis, and I go to them. Just tell it to me straight. Cameras are off. You think it's fair if Djokovic identified as a woman and destroyed Serena Williams? Just look me in <laughs> yeah, the yeah, eye yeah, and say yeah, you think yeah, that's yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, God, no, that's not fair. And I'm like, but you'll never say that. Never. They're like, no, well, why should we lose our millions of dollars? And yeah. I'm like, for society, your and- kids are going to grow up. <laughs> It's <laughs> for the greater good of the world. Let's talk about it. I have a clip I play on the show a lot. It's Serena Williams mm-hmm. on Letterman 2013. He's talking to her about playing Andy Murray. And she's like, I would lose six love, six love, six love in five minutes. Could we, wait, can you send that to me? Yeah. Can we like resurface? Do you want to throw in headphones and I'll play it for you? Can we Are we going to damage your hair? Clip? You can just put them around your ear. My she's a huge messy. diva, you guys. You have no idea. She refused to make eye contact with the staff. It's been very Oh, my God. That's slander. I'm kidding, Emily Austin. Are you ready? I'm offended. Are you ready? (laughs) She's triggered. She left. Hey does no home here, but Emily Austin does. Here we go. For me, tennis and men's tennis and women's tennis are completely almost two separate sports. So I'm like, if I were to play Andy Murray, I would lose 6-0-6-0 and... Five to six minutes, maybe ten minutes, because it's, no, no, it's, it's true. It's honestly, true. It's a completely, really. 
It's a completely different sport. The men are a lot faster, and me and um, they they get they serve harder, they hit harder. It's just a different game. And I love to play women's tennis, and I I only want to play girls because I don't want to be embarrassed. I would not do the tour. I wouldn't do Billie Jean any justice. So Andy, stop it. Yeah. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna let you kill me. Can we play this every day at a certain hour on the radio until people wait? Isn't it sad how mind-boggled I am by something so normal? Yes, that's the greatest women's tennis player of all time. Oh, my God. Flat out saying Andy Murray, who I don't think anyone would consider the greatest men's tennis player of all time. Right. Okay, would kill her in five minutes. Yeah, the worst man would still destroy. And, my brother, and, growing up, he and I played competitive tennis. Mm -hmm. I trained seven days a week. He trained maybe once a week on a good week. Mm -hmm. With his left hand could destroy me, 6060. Yeah. It's insane. And then we're going to pretend it's normal because we don't want to. Yeah, we don't upset anybody. But that's where I think the win is in 2023. I think people are starting to feel comfortable it. acknowledging. Like she couldn't say that still. We're not there yet. No, like so we'll keep replaying that yeah, we'll keep until that. she does. Just so everybody understands, that's where we were in 2013. I was 12. The good days. Ten years, 10 years ago today, you could be honest with people in public. She would lose Nike sponsorships for saying that. Yeah, it's true. It's sad. And that's that's a bad commentary. But you know what the truth is? If we were going to point to a little victory, I think that was a gain for us as a society in 2023. I think when you talk about sports in 2023, we would be remiss if we didn't mention uh, the crossover between sports and entertainment, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Oh, I thought you meant like celebrity boxing. And oh, I'm like, we can I get know. into it. Oh, we'll talk about it all day. I love uh, Travis. I love Taylor. So there's like this prank where it's like you ask a man, can you believe Taylor put Travis on the map? And they get so triggered. But truth be told, yeah. I didn't know who the hell Travis Kelsey was. Okay, fair. Before Taylor Swift. <laughs> so maybe well, she did. Uh, it's been a, it's a win win because obviously the NFL is getting that crossover of you yeah. know all of these Taylor Swift. She fans. was Time Person of the Year. How about that? That's that's and she's uh you know she's brought a lot of people over to the NFL. Obviously the NFL she's brought some of those viewers to her movies, which I'm happy for because it's it is about time she's caught a break in showbiz. You know, she's this is a girl who's really struggled, and you know the idea that we can finally give Taylor's career a bounce, I think, is it means a, a lot. To, I feel like Taylor's arguably em one of the most famous people in Emily history. Emily Austin is here, and she doesn't get sarcasm. Oh, anyway. <laughs> oh my God! I thought you said that so seriously. How am I supposed to? Say? He got me, guys. The guy has a delivery man. I'm like, do you? Maybe you're one of those men who are like, I can't believe Travis put Taylor on the map. No, and I'm like, God. come on, Austin, whose side are you on? <laughs> When people argue with time person of the year, okay, I actually have an affinity for the superficial people winning it because it means they gave us escapism. Mm -hmm. If you spent a significant chunk of this year focused on the NFL and pop culture, that was a better dividend for you emotionally okay. than focusing on whatever general or person did something on the battlefield. Not that we should be sliding them. They're doing a far more important job. Right. But I think we need more escapism in this day and age than in any year of our lives. So yeah. I could argue that she should have been person of the year. My question for you is, though, did we slight George Santos, given his <laughs> achievements? I mean, this is a guy that's cured polio. He fought the Nazis. <laughs> The 2,000 people he saved on the Titanic alone. You don't you don't think that's worthy of merit? I, I think his most is meritable award. Uh -huh. Meritable yeah, deed. Listen, I went to community college. You're damn, well, damn right <laughs> it is on this show. Meritable deed is the fact that, you know, like, when you're going to do fraud when it comes to, like, your donations, 
Make it worthwhile. I this know. dude went to Sephora. Yeah. Like, I have to respect that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Being a Sephora avid the, the, shopper. The point is, it's not that story where you hear someone was mugged and killed for $8. Yeah. It's like, Laura, it was, you, you committed murder. The guy had 82 grand on him because he just lost the casino. I, I still don't like it, but at least you went out. Who was time person last year? Elon? You know what? Elon this is Musk. a funny, funny. It was Zelensky. What? Yeah, which, again. What, what did he, he do for time in America. It's funny that this year that we gave it to a pop star who's dating a football player, both of whom were dressed better than last year's person of the year, which was a president. Uh, But yeah, he took a lot of Venmos from the U.S. That's mm-hmm. what he did last year. He made I, I would make Elon person of the year for like the next you, decade. You know, you could say that. I agree <laughs> with that. Uh, this is what I run into with Elon. Tell me what you think about this. I think the greatest thing he did in the world was buy Twitter and decriminalize conservative viewpoints because yes. it had to happen on a social media platform. But I think or Tesla. Yeah, well, there's that. But I'm saying <laughs> in terms of this year. But I think the liability has been because he is politically active. I think he's making it easy for people to discredit the viewpoints on the app. Of course. Yeah, I think he should have bought it and got out of the way, but I think part of the reason he's in the way is it also boosts engagement. One thing I I was questioning, as an Israeli, I can admit this, Mm -hmm. when he went to Israel, I think his message would have been so much stronger if he had not politicized it. Yeah. Like, you did not have to post with Benjamin Netanyahu, especially who's right now in the heat of everything. Like, you could have went to Israel, showed the horrors, and not politicized it. Same thing with X. Like, the best thing he's ever done is community notes. Biden gets community noted every day, but so do conservatives. Yeah, yeah. But now Elon himself seems to be amplifying conservatives, which which selfishly I love, but you're right. It's like repulsing people to run to threads, which I don't think is. Yeah, no, threads are whole to do in Mark Zuckerberg. Back after this. It's the best of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. People say to me all the time, Jimmy Fallon, you're out here touring the country. You're writing books. Why are you doing it? It's because I got to pay off Emily Campagno's bar tab. Joining me now to let me know if I'm out of the woods yet, now that we've launched my book, The Human Happy Hour, co-host of Outnumbered, the host of the Fox True Crime podcast. Download, subscribe immediately. Emily Campagno is here. The crowd goes wild. Hey, girl. Yo, here's how you guys know Jimmy is lying. Because (laughs) you know as well as I do that my bar tabs are cheap, dude. I drink cheap beer and cheap drinks. (laughs) So if he says to you that it's expensive, you know he is not talking about me. I'm sure you're talking about your... I will give you credit for this. Everybody, and this is true, it's worth saying... Everybody who loves you, that watches Fox and just loves you, doesn't understand how much more they'd love you if they knew you. You know, like, I would like the joke that, oh, it's, you know, they're like, Emily's the best. And I'll always text you and be like, someone said they loved you. I'm like, that's because they don't know any better. But they would love you because you, her campaign promise is legitimate. Someone asked this at a Q&A. Saturday night, this is a funny story. Saturday night at the Carson Nugget, uh, doing a Q&A, a gentleman stood up. And wanted to know who is the best hang on the show. He's like, of all the people you have on, you give nicknames to, who is the best hang on the show? And I gave you credit. I said, Emily Uh is like me. Like, when we're alone, we're just fat, white trash. (laughs) We are. We are. We just eat and blast music, and we're disgusting. Do you remember a time in my backyard? Tell me if you remember this. It was me, you, my buddy Dean Imperial. So it's me, you, Jenny, Dean Imperial, and his girlfriend, Tess. And we were just drinking, and Jenny had smoked like a hog. And, and we were just drinking, and it, it turned into, like, a dance party on my patio. It was, like, four people. Of course I remember. And the funniest <laughs> part is that the next day, for some reason, I had the, the biggest bruises on both of my <laughs> oh, gluteus no. maximuses areas because I, I was dancing so hard, I, I kept this. crashing into the, your barbecue. <laughs> and weirdly, like, on both sides. So I woke up in the next morning, and I was like, why am I sore, and why am I bruised? And it was because I danced my... <laughs> 
ass off, literally. Dude, we were footloose. Nobody goes harder. Nobody. No one goes harder. And the point is, okay, uh, the reason I wrote a book about winning the war on fun is because we haven't, like you and me, we have not lost our compass. We've had fun every minute of every day of every year of our lives because we understand the whole point of being alive is to have fun. If you die tomorrow, you're not going to wish you had like another deadline to meet or another fight to get in. You're going to wish you were dancing till you bruised your hips on my barbecue. Okay, which is not hard to do because there are multiple barbecues in that yard. Pick one. There are things going on. But the point is, all I was trying to case up, I'm trying to make in my book is like, hey, we're fighting a lot of battles that shouldn't be fought. And what I mean by that, Em, is me and you both know there are problems in the world, but comedy clubs aren't a problem. Movies aren't a problem. Music isn't a problem. Those are sources of joy. And we're now going to sources of joy looking for grievance. We're not. But people were. And me and you are here as a reminder to like, you know, shake the compass up and point it back in the correct direction, which is just go have fun, respect each other's space, respect each other's values, respect each other's right to be happy. But don't actually feel like you can't live your most fun life in pursuit of whatever that joy is, as long as it's not happening at anyone else's expense. Am I right? It's perspective. Thank you. That's the whole point, is that it's perspective of that compass. It's of who we are. And whatever happens to us doesn't affect us on the inside Mm -hmm. because we remain the same two people that we've always been. Yes. And you and I have talked a lot about this through the years um, as we were sitting in your backyard, you know, dreaming big and and all this. And we still sit in your backyard dreaming big. Yeah, yeah. And it's about... Things, it, I think part of it has to do with things happening later in life to us. Mm-hmm. And I also think it has to do with the fact that we've lived a hundred lives, yeah. regardless of our age. Like mm-hmm. at a young age, we yeah. were living saturated lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that reflects in the fact that this is the Rolling Stone songs. You know, it, it was all a dream. I dreamed one, one time long ago. That's yeah. us every day, man. We're so like, true. yo, this is a dream. Is What's crazy. next? Like, What's we, behind? We actually get it. Like we're walking around a TV studio at the most famous channel in the world. And we're just having fun because we get it. Like, this is unique. Uh, it's a unique moment in, in the book of our lives. This is a very fascinating chapter. And I think what we're trying to do to the people that might feel like they're outside the party, because we're in this building, everybody else is listening from outside or watching from outside, is we're trying to remind them that we all have the same purpose in life, which is to just have fun. You know, we're here having fun as they should be, wherever they happen to find themselves today. Whatever your business card says you do for a living, you're in the fun business. You know, if you're a dog groomer, Mm -hmm. you're supposed to blast your favorite songs on the way there, smoke a joint if that's what you do. I don't know. I don't know. But the point is, your whole point of going to work today is to nail it. Just nail it. Nail it. And that dog's got to look like a million bucks. Here's another piece of advice, folks. Take pride in what you do. You got to love your art. You know that? If you make sandwiches at a deli, you make the S out of that sandwich. And you, again, play the music and smoke the joy. Whatever you do. I don't know. But the point is to have fun. And I feel like we got to this place because of social media where there was currency to be had in ruining the fun. Mm. Hey, I don't like that comedian. They're not actually offended, but they know they'll get attention for being offended. You dig? They know there is currency to come from being outraged. And But in, inadvertently, that starts to police our fun. You know, and at a time when we're not policing our streets that hard, let's be honest, the idea that we should, you know, maybe be enhancing security for the joke police, but not the real police seems a little silly to me. That's the point, Emily Campagna. Yeah, it is. So look, let's dive in more to your book, Jimmy. Like Mm -hmm. what as you were writing it, what you just articulated, you've always known. Mm -hmm. So tell me what you uncovered. 
Ooh. You know, as you're writing this, mm-hmm. what did you learn that you didn't know? Oh, this is interesting. Well, first and foremost, I learned that anyone can get a book deal. I thought there was some qualification. <laughs> I was like, clearly some type of degree. I don't know what the background is. <laughs> Emily and I are talking about the cancel culture dictionary. I'll hold it up for the Fox Nation cameras. It is available right now. Foxnewsbooks.com. Foxnews.com backslash books. They gave me two URLs because I thought I might screw up one of them. I, I'm so, so they, proud of you. Oh, it's Look dope. at that. It's rad. Emily, Look at that, man. You get some ink in here. You get some You're- ink. There's some ink in here. Some things are said. Yeah. Nothing bad. No, you're fine. It's all in the acknowledgements, though. You're not in, like, a chapter where I'm like, this. <laughs> the real truth. Yeah. Um, I'm not doing dice rhymes. Yeah. Jack and Jill <laughs> went up the hill. And I'm like, before we proceed, let's see that page. Yeah, no, no thank just you. kidding. So no, let I, me tell you I what I excer- I mean, it's, a fen- it's phenomenal. First the- of all, everyone, it is phenomenal. As you oh, know, it thanks. would be. Anything that comes out of Jimmy is brilliant, and it's phenomenal. So that's let's just get that out of the way. Boom. And then the second thing is just how proud I am of you, oh, buddy. Look at buddy. you. Look at buddy. you with your book. It's a whole to-do. You got a book that you wrote. <laughs> Jimmy. Literally. He's got his little book thing now. Yeah. And you already were an author. Let's be clear. You yeah, yeah. already have written but amazing books. But not for books, the but, Fox label. But exactly. So, so this, this one is matters. So, really what a matters. shine. And I, I'm it just looks, really proud right. that this, that our mm-hmm. beloved employer um, sees you as this beautiful asset and an amplifier to all of us within. Oh, you know, that they you know, look at you. You are the ambassador for this brand. That's, no, that's it's, a big it's, deal. It's psychotic. My mind is completely blown. Like for real. It's been yeah. blown for a while now. But the thing I learned, and thank you for all of that, and you, you read it exactly the way mm-hmm. I wrote it down. Right. And that's, I mean, that's why you. with a check or that, card. That's why they put her on TV. <laughs> I mean, that's a gal. You give her a screen. You run the play into the huddle. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Boom. That was Jim Plunkett handed off to Marcus <laughs> yeah, Allen against the Redskins. <laughs> there it is. And that's what they were called. You're just going to have to deal with it. I mean, that's why the Raiders beat them that bad in that Super Bowl, because they knew they were going to sell out and change the mask out down the road. But what I really learned, this is probably the most important thing, and I will give credit to people on the left, is the truth is liberals don't like cancel culture. It's predominantly liberal, but the vast majority of their, of their party doesn't want to be around an angry grievance crowd. People are calibrated to fun. We'd be kidding ourselves if we didn't say liberals have fun. You know, they go out, they drink, they party, they do what they do. There's a lot of performative wokeness and censorship. But I think what I learned is cancel culture became a thing because social media was new and we didn't understand it. And what I mean by that is there was a time in this country, like 2014, 2015, where every day you got on Twitter and someone you had either never heard of or didn't know what they said the night before was fired. It was like a who are we pretending to be mad at today type of a moment. And a lot of us played a role in enhancing its power because we either didn't speak up because we didn't want to get bum-rushed by the mob, or some people did because they wanted the currency that came from condemning the bad person. Mm-hmm. And that kind of allowed cancel culture. It was like, you know when the gremlins, if you threw water on one of them, you had a million of them? Yeah. That's what social media was. We always had a percentage of society that were a bunch of a-holes, but social media gave them the ability to multiply because we were all connected on our phone. So the a-holes could find each other and create like a rallying point. And I think in the infancies of cancel culture, it gained power because people were scared of it and wanted, like I said, the currency. But I think as it went on and we saw how repetitive it was and how none of the things getting canceled were helping anybody, we all got to a place where we wanted to get rid of it. I don't believe anybody benefits from it. Uh, I don't think I could point you to anything in society that was improved from cancellation. Meaning if you cancel Native American mascots, they didn't then go back and help the community. You dig? Mm-hmm. If you whacked Aunt Jemima, I don't, what's improved? <clears throat> you know, you cut a black family out of royalty checks, but you didn't improve anything. You know, so I think my argument is it's taught us to fight the wrong battles, and that inadvertently creates a war on fun.
you know, that's what I think the argument is. So I think that was like the takeaway is that I have this thesis that we have to, <laughs> I can't it's trust your radio. So it's hard, but we have to be, we have to really learn and go back to that moment where we all understood the value, the good, juicy, spiritual currency that came from giving someone the finger, someone who deserved to be given the finger. I don't owe you a pretend outrage. Come on. I don't owe you that. And for a while there, we thought we did though. We're like, how dare you make race? This breakfast. And like, all right, I guess we're gonna whack Uncle Ben then with with his freaking rice. Am I right? And you know, Uncle Ben, the mascot, was a Chicago waiter who made money. He went from a waiter to a corporate mascot because they made Uncle Ben's rice. He was a slave. Uncle Ben's was actually named after a farmer who took pride in the long grain rice that he grew. And the guys who founded the company were hooking up black people and they were making money. But in 2020, we're like, nah, the racist rice already. I've had it with the racist rice. And I realized it's all performative and it's a scam. So now I'm like militant, Em. I'm running for office. I'm running for, I'm kidding. Is that would, the next step? No, I, was I would never say, pass so, the background So what check. next, what next um, in that thesis? Mm-hmm. Obviously, the book we we're gonna buy it, we're gonna read it, and we're mm. gonna you're gonna be signing it all the time. So I don't mean what next yeah. logistically. I mean as you created that thesis. So then, what next in social media? Is there an end? Are we permanently ruined? Well, Is there a shift that's gonna happen? Yes, Can I, people retain the fun? I feel like there's a cultural shift, and I think there's a reason my book came out before my stand-up special. Is <laughs> I think people are gonna read this, you know, understand, yeah. and kind of get it. People listening to the radio already know it. But I'm basically paving the road because my stand-up special, you were there, yep. isn't exactly playing a lot of defense. <laughs> I'm kind of doing comedy in the year 1988 where we know the difference between a joke and a hate crime yes. on purpose because I'm trying to show people that the speech is violence crowd. Okay, number one was only saying that to get their way. But number two, the people who told the speech was violence are now the ones calling for violence on college campuses. What interests me is learning about the amplification of that, the voices of the few. Mm -hmm. And what I'm curious about, and now I'm taking sort of a 30,000 foot view here, mm -hmm. but oftentimes, for example, on Twitter, the Twitter mob, you know, is it one person tweeting a hundred times? Is it 100 people amplified by a thousand bots? Mm -hmm. Like when you distill down the noise, what is the level of reality? And I think that other regimes personally and other groups have benefited from mm -hmm. the social agitation and the success, frankly, yep. of creating this intense fissure in our society. And I just wonder how many of them are actually real. Um, you know, I grew up in the Bay Area, so I know the different levels and demeanors of those hippies mm -hmm. and those liberals. Mm -hmm. I know the angry type. Yeah. I know the peaceful type. Mm -hmm. I know the ingrained cellular level type. And I know the those that have been radicalized and indoctrinated by school, like you, all the yeah. different types yep. I grew up with mm -hmm. and were our friends, parents and families and the like. So I really get that. Um, and no one ever likes the angry types, yeah. but you wonder about, you know, it's true that, that momentum gets things accomplished. So there's a value to a certain degree, but the mob mentality to me, I wonder if, you know, we call it new now. Mm -hmm. I actually think it's old. It's the same mobs that used to run through the square with the, the pitchforks. Yep. Just like in Beauty and the Beast. It's it's where it's however we've seen it throughout yep. history. It just take a different Boom. form. Boom. That's what it is. It's just a different form. They're, they're the same people. Sorry, but they're yeah. the same people they were before social media. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, and it's the enemy because when you think about how, in my opinion, how the enemy operates, it's in different societies. And right now, the enemy's fertile ground is people's minds. Yes. And when you are susceptible to um 
all the things you're susceptible to not only yes the getting mm-hmm. fires and cancels yep. and stuff but you're getting you're susceptible to those thoughts that you're yep. inferior and not good enough yep, and yep, like yep, yep, yep. oh gosh and oh no and whatever like man that's that's the success of the enemy you yes. have to rise above that and that's how but that's where social media is so demonic because it pulls people into that group thing because they want to fit in they want the approval but you nailed it you hit the nail on the head it's like i basically speak to it in the book as it's it, And this is a generalization, but it's spot on. It is a group where its biggest winners are a bunch of losers. That's what it is. Totally. They're people nobody likes. That's- and I, I have to confess that, A, as that's so shocking for you and I, because going back to how we started this, yep. which is that we're the same people as we started as we are yep. now and will always be, that is because our equilibrium is if... Yo, if you're not nice, if you're not likable, yeah. then you're not at the lunch table. Yeah, just get out it has of here. nothing to do with cool or not. It just has to do with like, are you a good person, man? Then you're always welcome and you always amplify the fun. That, and if you're not, what are you doing here? Thank so you. the notion that the world's upside down, that those people who should be nowhere near other humans are somehow in power and in decision making so, and have this social influences mm-hmm. is the most shocking thing to because it, it like shocks ba- our conscience. Ba- back to what I said earlier. Society is gonna learn how to go back to a good juicy middle finger and we're all going to be better off. Emily Campagna, ladies and gentlemen. Get her out. Get her out of here. It's the hottest show on the radio. The building is on fire. This is the Fox Across America All-American New Year Spectacular with Jimmy Fallon. It's the best of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 2023, the year we love to hate. There were a lot of positives, mainly the fact that you spent all of it in the greatest country the world has ever known. You have... American privilege. Freedom! And above all else, that is always something you can be thankful for because going into the year 2024, the spectacular possibilities of life that are at your disposal, okay, only exist in a country as great as this one. And I understand that 2023 might not have been your year, but because you live in America, there is no rule that says 2024 can't be. You can take 2024 and do whatever you want with it. Beat it like a rented mule. Go hard. Go on offense. Work as hard as you want. Laugh as hard as you want. Eat as much as you want. Not as much as you want, because I get a lot of heat for eating too much over these holidays. Put that cookie down now. But if you eat almost as much as you want, okay, and then back it off a little bit, okay? But the point is... You're in the fun business, and as we approach the year 2024, keep in mind that you have a job, you have responsibilities, okay? You have a job title, a job description, but in life, you are in the fun business, okay? If your life ended tomorrow, you'd wish you had a little more fun today. So the goal for 2024 will be the goal I had going into 2023, which was the goal I had in 22, 21, 20, and all the way down to 1976 when I was born. To quote Clark Griswold in the movie Vacation, we're going to have so much fun. You're all going to be whistling zippity doodah out of your... That is my pledge for 2024. I can't promise you your party's going to win the election. I can't promise you you're going to get the promotion and get the girl. But I can promise you there's no rule that says you can't have fun if you blow the commercial and the girl leaves you for the guy next door. Doesn't matter. It's America. There's other fish in the sea. Okay? And don't let the Democrats tell you that climate change is ruining those fish because there's still a lot of good ones out there worth catching. But the bottom line is, as we wrap up this year, it was a mess. But I have a motto on the radio that I espouse every day on my daily show. I say what? You could be a Republican. You could be a Democrat. Just don't be a If you truly want to help the world as we head into an election season, 
Okay, as things get divided and contentious and people fight over the issues, understand we don't need more Republicans in 2024. We don't need more Democrats in 2024. We just need less. So if you can make that contribution to the world, you've bettered the world around you. So that's my advice in 2024. We all have individual pursuits. You know, some of you want to start a business. Some of you want to go down to the boardwalk and check out women. Hubba, hubba. I don't care what you do. Just have a good time doing it, and it'll rub off on those around you. So instead of a pandemic, I don't know, maybe a fundemic, Happy New Year. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.